We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what is up everybody welcome back to the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl of course you can follow the podcast at pack a day podcast today i wanted to take a deeper look at the initial 53-man roster, but maybe more importantly, looking at it in comparison to the initial 53-man roster from one season ago. The Packers were clearly a potential Super Bowl team a season ago. So how does this team right now compare to what it looked like exactly one year ago today? And I think it's an interesting case study in the roster that the Packers had at the time and sort of to level set for expectations for the remainder of this season. So we'll go over that in just a moment. A couple quick notes. First of all, uh, there was a great Brian Gutekunst interview with Pete Doherty over on PackersNews.com. So uh, if you are subscribed over there, if you're not, I highly recommend it. But uh, if you are, you know, if you are subscribed, definitely go and check it out. Great interview with Brian Gutekunst. Definitely uh, some juicy tidbits in there. So I don't want to give too much away. I want to give those guys the opportunity to earn their money on the subscription over there. So make sure to check that out if you have not already. And then uh, Bill Huber actually had a great article up on Sports Illustrated as well uh, about sort of the 53-man roster a great quote from Aaron Rodgers about Caleb Jones. And as you guys know, if there was one player that got released that I thought should have been on the 53-man roster, it was Caleb Jones. Well, apparently, uh, per the interviews in the locker room, Aaron Rodgers uh, agreed with my assessment. This was his quote, which I thought was a a pretty uh, telling quote from Aaron Rodgers on Caleb Jones. Quote, I thought Caleb had a great camp and deserved to be on the 53, Rogers said. Lucky to get him back on the practice squad. Looks like he has a bright future in this league. You can't teach that kind of size, but take the 6'9", 340 out of the way. The way that he worked from spring to fall camp and then throughout fall camp, he has what it takes to be a player in this league. I told him that a couple weeks ago. So uh, yeah, a very strong endorsement for Caleb Jones from Aaron Rodgers. And like I said, I was A, surprised that Green Bay released him, and B, almost more surprised that nobody claimed him. And I know there's always this idea that everybody you know, that's a fan of the team thinks that their players are better and that all their guys are going to get claimed, and usually that's not the case. And I, I predicted, listen, there's, I, I tweeted it out. 
after all the initial cuts, I tweeted, I didn't think anyone was going to get claimed, including Caleb Jones. I just thought based on where those players were there, you know, with Caleb, he's a unique size and, and, you know, weight and all of that distribution. He's not going to be a fit for every team. He was an undrafted guy. And then the Packers decided to release him uh, and keep 10 other offensive linemen. That's going to usually sound alarm bells to other GMs of like, okay, if if Green Bay couldn't keep him as one of their top 10 offensive linemen, what are we going to do with that type of player? But uh, man, usually, usually NFL teams are just dying for any sort of offensive line developmental talent. And to me, that is Caleb Jones. And to Aaron Rodgers, that is clearly Caleb Jones as well. So hopefully Green Bay can keep him on the practice squad. I can tell you right now, if I was a GM of another team, specifically, like, listen, maybe if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's probably a poor example because they need some offensive line depth right now. But if you're a team like the Rams that's competing for a Super Bowl right now, maybe you just don't have the time and the roster spot for a developmental player that's going to take a year or two to develop, right? And maybe that's what Green Bay was thinking as well. But if I were the Jacksonville Jaguars, the, the Chicago, like the Chicago Bears should have been all over Caleb Jones. The fact that they weren't is just, you know, I don't, I don't understand that at all. But there are teams that are clearly not competing. The Texans should have been all over him um, that, that aren't competing this year that you have nothing better to do than to try to bring in a super talented offensive tackle who's going to need a little bit of time to develop, but could maybe be a starter down the line. So a resounding endorsement from Aaron Rodgers on Caleb Jones. And that's still a name that I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on. And hopefully Green Bay can keep him on their practice squad. Now, I know that practice squad poaching is a thing and that other teams can sign players from a team's practice squad. Just know that if you do that, you have to keep them on the, the payroll for three weeks. You have to pay that player for three weeks. You can technically release them in under three weeks. You don't have to keep them on the roster, but you have to continue to pay that player for the three weeks that they are on the team. So you, it's not just a free thing. Like you like you're basically have to invest in that player. You can't just keep taking random practice squad players one at a time. Like there is a three-week commitment to that player. So um, I don't, you know, the, the odds that players get claimed off of a team's practice squad are still fairly thin. And the fact that he didn't get claimed during the waiver period uh, should give Green Bay some level of confidence that he's going to be able to stick around, but definitely a player that has talent. And like I said, Aaron Rodgers definitely agrees. All right, let's get to the main event. I don't think this is going to be a super huge topic for today, but I just wanted to look one year ago today when the Packers announced their initial 53 up until right now, how, how does the roster look different? And where are they better? Where are they worse? So let's just go position by position. Quarterback first. Last year at this time, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love. This year at this time, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love. So no difference on the 53, uh, but I think there's clearly a difference in the Jordan Loves that we're talking about, right? Last year's Jordan Love, not there, wasn't ready, didn't look to be able to, like I said, last year he looked like a number three quarterback. And this year he looks like at worst, a very good number two running or running back quarterback, excuse me. So it looked like a very good, uh, you know, potential to be a, a top number two quarterback. So there's a major difference there. Now for Aaron Rodgers, tough to expect him to be a MVP again, especially without Devontae Adams. And, you know, he missed, he did miss a game and a half a season ago, the half a game against the Lions where they sat him and then uh, the game against the Chiefs. So, you know, could they you know, potentially uh, lose him for more games this year. That's a possibility, but they could also have him for an extra game and a half. And even if he is missing a game and a half, they should be better off with Jordan Love this year than they were a season ago. So 
I think, again, to, to expect another MVP season might be a little bit much. So I'm going to go neutral here, even though I think Love is better. I would also add that I think Etling is a better emergency quarterback than Benkert. Clearly, the Packers agreed with that as well. Um, so I do think that they are probably overall better from a talent standpoint, but I'm going to go from an expectation standpoint still. I'm going to say that, you know, with with where Rodgers is at and every year is a year older, right? I'm going to say that they stayed status quo, going from Rodgers in love to Rodgers in love. All right, running back, very similar last year, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Kylan Hill. This year, just Jones and Dillon, Kylan Hill on the PUP list. And then of course, they've got Patrick Taylor and uh, Tyler Goodson on the practice squad. I'm going to say neutral here. I expect Aaron Jones to be the same guy. I expect AJ Dillon to be the same guy. And ultimately, Kylan Hill is going to come back and basically be Kylan Hill again. And he, you know, he was just a rookie last year, barely gotten any games. So I know right now you could argue that it's just worse simply because they only have two guys instead of three, uh, but they'll be just fine filling in those snaps with Kylan Hill pulling up guys from the practice squad up until the time that he gets back and then he'll resume his number three. So I'm going to say neutral at quarterback, neutral at running back. Wide receiver, just a bit different here. So going back to last year at this time, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, MVS, Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers, and Malik Taylor. So three players no longer on the roster, Adams, MVS, and Malik Taylor. Three players who return, Lazard, Cobb, and Amari Rogers. The new players, Sammy Watkins, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, and Samore Toure. So they add three talented rookies. They add a veteran who's talented, but has sort of been on the decline slash up and down over the course of the last few seasons. Uh, Rodgers has mentioned that since joint practices with the Saints, Watkins has really come on strong, but there's just no way to look at this other than a pretty steep decline going from the best receiver in football, a deep threat in MBS, to Sammy Watkins and some developmental rookies who could or could not be really good. We just don't know yet. So definitely a decline, definitely got worse. How much worse will remain to be seen? And I am bullish overall on the depth of this wide receiver group. I do think they go seven deep, whereas last year, you know, really it was Devante, Lazard, MBS, and Cobb, right? Amari wasn't ready to play last year. Malik Taylor was just a special teams guy. So it was just four wide receivers. I think they have much more depth this year, but there's just no way to replace uh, a Devante Adams in that group. So definitely a decline from a season ago. Tight end, I'm also going, uh, you could make an argument for slight decline. Let's go over the players first. Last year at this time, Mercedes Lewis, Bobby Tunyon, Josiah DeGuara, Dominique Daphne. This year, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tunyon, Josiah DeGuara, and Tyler Davis. So I would argue that, all right, Lewis is Lewis, Tunyon is Tunyon. I think DeGuara will actually take a step forward, and I actually think Tyler Davis can be better than what Dominique Daphne was a season ago. So on that surface level, you would say, okay, that should be an improvement. But Robert Tunyon coming off an ACL, whereas Robert Tunyon at this time last year was coming off his best season of his career and was one of the best players in all of training camp, if not the training camp MVP from a season ago. He looked ready to bust out in a major way. He didn't, and then he got hurt. But I still think Tunyon coming back from an ACL and coming off of a slightly disappointing season is just slightly, you know, worse expectations than what we would have said from a season to go with Bobby Tunyon. Mercedes Lewis, a year older, probably the exact same player. Josiah DeGuara, a year older, probably a little bit better. And then Davis and Daphne isn't going to move the needle one way or the other. So I'm going to ultimately say neutral here. I could make an argument for slightly better. I could make an argument for slightly worse with Tunyon coming off the ACL, but I'm going to say neutral at tight end as well. Offensive line, a very difficult position to discuss. So Elton Jenkins, Billy Turner, Lucas Patrick, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, 
John Runyon Jr., Yash Nyman, Dennis Kelly, and Jake Hansen a season ago. Now that seems like a very good group of players from a depth standpoint, but remember this. Josh Myers was a rookie. Royce Newman was a rookie. John Runyon Jr. was coming, was his sophomore year and had barely played as a rookie. Yash Nyman had not yet basically played at all in his career. And Jake Hansen was a second year player and he had been cut the year before and on the practice squad the majority of the year had not played any snaps at that time either. So it really felt like Jenkins, Turner, Patrick, you know, and then Dennis Kelly with some rookies or inexperienced players mixed in. So it looks better now than I think it did at the time. And of course, the David Bakhtiari, you know, when is he going to come back was hanging over everything as well. This year, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, Royce Newman, Yash Nyman, Zach Tom, Jake Hansen, Rashid Walker, and Sean Ryan. So a bit different here. Now, Bakhtiari actually on the active roster. And while that cloud still hangs over 1265 right now, in Brian Gudikin's interview, I will spoil one thing. He did say he is very optimistic that Bakhtiari will return very soon and still used terms like when he comes back. Like it it seems like a foregone conclusion that he will be back and ready to play sooner rather than later. So that is great news and certainly seems like a better position to be in than where Bakhtiari was a season ago. Elton Jenkins on the flip side, coming off the ACL injury, probably a bit of a more of a question mark than he was a season ago, but he's looked great and I still expect him to basically be Elton Jenkins. So that's still a major improvement, especially with where Bakhtiari is at right now from a season ago. John Runyon Jr., whereas last year he had barely played uh, at the same time. This year he played all of last season and was my highest graded offensive lineman through the course of the year, mostly because he actually played you know, basically the entirety of the season. Josh Myers in year two should be a big improvement over Josh Myers in year one, and we've seen some of the flashes of that in preseason already. Royce Newman in year two should be an improvement. Yash Nyman, after all the snaps that he got a season ago, should be an improvement. Zach Tom looks like a, re- a rookie that's ready to play. Jake Hansen looks much improved. And then you've got a couple developmental guys in Rashid Walker and Sean Ryan. So I definitely think that this is a pretty significant improvement, especially if Bakhtiari and Jenkins are good to go and healthy sooner rather than later. So improvement there. So overall in offense, neutral quarterback, neutral running back, decrease at wide receiver, neutral tight end, increase along the offensive line. And I've said all along, I think the offensive line is the is everything this season. It it will ultimately be what decides how good the Packers can be in 2022. I totally believe that. Um, I think if they, if Bakhtiari and Jenkins are healthy and, and, you know, John Runyon Jr. continues to improve, Josh Myers takes that big second year jump. I don't even care who the fifth guy is. Fill in any of the other guys at that fifth spot. I don't care. If those first four things are true, this has the ability to be a very, very good offensive line, which helps the running game, which helps the play action game, which helps your deep passing, which helps the red zone, which helps everything. So I think this offensive line can almost single-handedly make up for the loss of David Bakhtiari or the loss of Devontae Adams. Sorry, I'm all over the place today. My apologies. Can single-handedly make up for the loss of Devontae Adams. Um, And I really do believe that, yes, losing Devontae is brutal, but let's say like before with Devontae Adams, if you had, I don't know, two to two and a half seconds to throw because your offensive line wasn't quite as good, are the other wide receivers with an extra second to throw and an extra second to separate maybe not that far off than, you know, Adams with less time? So, I don't know, something to think about. And I do believe that the offensive line being back intact, if they can be, and if they can return to form, really has the ability to make a major impact on this offense and maybe even overall make them a better offensive team. So we will see. And Jenkins and Bakhtiari will have a huge say in that and where they can be from a health standpoint. But overall, 
mostly neutral, wide receiver decrease, offensive line should be much better. Defensive line is a joke. I think how much better they can potentially be this year. Going back to last year, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Kingsley Kiki, Tyler Lancaster, TJ Slayton, and Jack Heflin. Remembering that, you know, Kiki just wasn't that good. Slayton was not ready to play yet really as a rookie. And Heflin was, uh, you know, I think ultimately released a little bit later, but just more of a rotational guy at best. This year, Kenny Clark the same, Lowry the same, Jerron Reed over Kingsley Kiki should be a major improvement. TJ Slayton over last year's version of TJ Slayton should be a major improvement. Devontae Wyatt over Tyler Lancaster should be an improvement. And then Jonathan Ford, Jack Heflin, basically in the same spots of developmental players. And I do think Jonathan Ford has a lot more developmental upside. So a much better defensive line. Edge is another uh, position that's very, very tough to break down. Zadarius Smith on the initial roster, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Jonathan Garvin, and Chauncey Rivers. This year, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Jonathan Garvin, Tipa Naliai, and Kingsley and Igbari. So let's start with the simple ones here. Garvin, to me, basically the same. I think maybe he's taken a small step. I think Gary will be slightly better. I think Preston will be the same. So now you have Zadarius Smith and Chauncey Rivers versus Tipa Naliai and Kingsley and Igbari. So I will start by saying Rivers and Tipa, probably a wash with Tipa being slightly better. Doesn't really matter. So then it comes down. So you're neutral basically so far. And then that leaves you Zadarius Smith versus Kingsley and Igbari. And clearly, 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 that is a major decrease. No disrespect. They both were number 55, but no disrespect to Kingsley and Igbari. That's just a major decrease. However, Zadarius, even at the time, was injured and you didn't know exactly what was going on with him. There was that cloud hanging over him at the time, and he would ultimately play like 30 snaps on the season. So while on paper, if you're just looking at last year's initial 53 to this year's initial 53, there's a pretty major decrease at edge rusher. In reality, it doesn't really play out that way. Now, there will be players that ultimately get injured for the Packers this year as well, which will ultimately play a part. So that's why you can't really take those things into effect. But um, so on paper, it's definitely a decrease, but in reality, just you didn't really lose anything by losing Zadarius Smith from last year to this year. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Linebacker, so insanely better. Last year was Devondre Campbell, Chris Barnes, Oren Burks, Ty Summers, and Isaiah McDuffie. This year, Campbell, Quay Walker, Chris Barnes, and Isaiah McDuffie. It seems very similar. On the surface, it looks like you're basically trading Oren Burks and Ty Summers for Quay Walker, which first of all, yeah, that's already a very major increase in talent and uh, what should be a much better player than either of those two guys combined. But Chris Barnes is at worst as good as he was a season ago, maybe slightly better. Isaiah McDuffie has taken a major jump. And at this point last year, you had no idea what Devondre Campbell was going to be. You had no idea if he was going to be a bust, if he was going to just be this another random journeyman inside linebacker for the Packers that was one and done and they'd have to find something else. He is now a all-pro, a first-team all-pro, and has been playing like it all training camp long. So the level of confidence in that position is through the roof from where it was a season ago. Corner, Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Eric Stokes, Shannon Sullivan, Shamar John Charles, and Isaac Yadam. This year, Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Razul Douglas, Keyshawn Nixon, and Shamar John Charles. Remembering that Douglas was not on the initial roster. They picked him up midway through the year a season ago. So that is a huge change. But Jair is to Jair. I think, you know, obviously Jair would get eventually injured last year, but at the time he didn't know that. So that to me is a break even. I think they're going to both be phenomenal. Last year's Jair was phenomenal. This year's Jair will be phenomenal. It doesn't matter. But Eric Stokes from last year to this year, this year, at this point last year, you had no idea what this rookie was going to be. This year, you feel so much more confident about what Eric Stokes is. And then going from Kevin King to Razul Douglas, holy crap, that is a massive improvement. I actually think this might be a slightly, slightly, it's not a bold take, but it's a slight take. I actually think Keyshawn Nixon is going to be better than Shannon Sullivan. Shamar John Charles will be better than what he was as a rookie a season ago, and they will not miss Isaac Yadam on defense, special teams, or anything. So uh, I know they don't have a sixth guy. You can call up Rico Gafford. You can call up uh, yeah, Keandre Thomas. You can call up any of those guys, and they will immediately be better than what Isaac Yadam was a season ago. So love, love, love this corner group and much better than they were at the same time a season ago. Safety last year, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Henry Black, and Vernon Scott. This year, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, Tariq Carpenter, and Dallin Levitt. So a couple things here. Amos is Amos, Savage is Savage. I expect those mostly to be the same in expectations. Um, Tariq Carpenter is basically the new Vernon Scott, right? Big, tall, physical linebacker that you just have no idea what they're going to become. And then you go from Henry Black, who played actually a decent amount of snaps, to Rudy Ford and Dallin Levitt. Rudy Ford will be better than Henry Black was a season ago. He will also be a better special teams player. And Dallin Lovett, you might as well just move to the special teams line because he's going to be a primary special teams player. And Green Bay didn't really have that player from a season ago. So I actually think safety will at minimum be neutral, but I actually think that they are taking a step in the right direction here. So 
Defensive line better, edge decrease just because it's Darius Smith at this time of season ago. Linebacker better, corner better, safety neutral to better. Special teams, at this time last year, they did not have a punter. On the initial 53, they traded for Bajorquez a little bit later. So it was just Crosby and Hunter Bradley. Let's just include Bajorquez in this for the state of, you know, whatever, just comparing. Uh, Crosby at this time last year was coming off a really great season. There was no injury issues. So you felt insanely confident in that. That wouldn't end up playing out that way, but that's how you felt this year coming off his worst season and coming off an injury. So you just have to feel a lot better about Mason Crosby at this same time a season ago than what you do right now. That's not to say he won't be better. I think he will be better than what he performed at a year ago, but we'll have to kind of wait and see on that. Pat O'Donnell, I think will be better than Corey Bajorquez, but remember back a season ago, there was a lot of buzz and excitement about Corey Bajorquez. People were calling him a weapon. Like there was real legitimate excitement about him. There's not the same with Pat O'Donnell. So I would go, if we were basing it off expectations, I would say Bajorquez would have been, you know, what I think more people would have been excited about at the exact same times, you know, all things equal. And then Jack Coco, Hunter Bradley, both you know, unproven, you don't know what you're going to get. So I don't think there's much difference there. So ultimately I will say this looks like a slightly worse positional players with just punter, kicker, long snapper, but overall the rest of the depth on the special teams, the guys we've been talking about should be much, much better than they were a season ago with gunners and kickoff coverage and, you know, punt return and all of it. I think they have much more depth in the special teams than what they did in 2021. So offense, wide receiver worse, offensive line better. Defense, everything better except edge rusher. Special teams, the core units, probably better. Like the key, like kicker, punter, long snapper, probably a bit worse. But overall, I I think you have to feel pretty excited about where this roster is at right now. And remember too, like they found a Razul Douglas midseason. There's nothing to say that maybe they don't find this year's Razul Douglas midseason. They will have to fight through injuries. Their depth will be tested. They need their key guys to be healthy. But this is a very good roster. And I think you can say like you can make an argument that they have a better 53 at the same time right now overall than they did a season ago. Devontae Adams is a very tough loss, but I think there's enough additions and some additions by subtraction that they've made elsewhere that could make this team a very dangerous team in 2022. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Always appreciate it. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.